1 Timothy chapter number three tonight. Continue our series on the church. And tonight we'll be looking at the office, the offices of the church. We'll look at the pastor tonight and uh, probably next Sunday as well. Then we'll move over into the deacons. Uh, just enjoy the study on the church. And I'm thankful, thankful for the local church. And glad to be part of the local church. And glad to be in the area and the thing, in the, the, the mechanism, so to speak, that God is working in this last day. Thankful for the local church, amen. Uh, I was saved and baptized in a local church. I was saved at home, baptized in a local church. I was married in a local church. I raised my family in a local church, and I'm grateful for that tonight. I've got a lot of blessings tied to the local church. And might as well, just like we sang tonight, I've come too far. I'm not going back, amen. Ain't, ain't nothing to go back to, just like those boys told Jesus. Lord, you got the words of life. We can't find that nowhere else. So we're just going to stick with you, and we're going to stay with you. And hopefully you took some time today, if, if the Lord dealt with your heart, to get clean. Amen. And looked in the mirror of the word of God today and said, Lord, search me. And Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, Lord, tell me. And then take me over to 1 John 1, 9. And Lord, let me get it right with you today. And there's something about getting right with God. There's something about getting clean. That it just, it's just like when you come home from work and you're tired and you're, you're hot and sweaty, especially here lately. Uh, about to be like that again this week, highs in the 99s. I don't know why they should have just put 100 right there. Uh, and you come in, you cut that shower on, and there's something, it's got magical powers. And uh, it just, you just come out of it feeling a whole lot better. Well, it's the same thing when you go to God. See, the devil's going to say that he's going he's to cast you out, he's going to be mad at you for the rest of eternity. And God said, no, if you'll come to me and confess and repent, I'll... Hey, I'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'll, I'll, I'll reinstate it and bring, bring about that just that, ah, it feels right and it feels good. And I'm thankful tonight we have a God that desires for us to be clean. How do you know, preacher, he made a way for us to be clean? We're grateful for that tonight. But 1 Timothy chapter number three tonight, look at verse number one. I'm gonna read down to verse number seven. It says, this is the true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, uh, one that ruleth his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the, uh, the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are part of the sword of the Lord. <laughs> them who are part of the, the mysterious, never seen brethren. Right, but which are without, lest he fall into approach in the snare of the devil. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again, uh, Lord, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity, Lord, just to meet in the the house of God this evening, Lord, thank you for the song service. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, that, Lord, we, we left a whole lot behind when we got saved, but, Lord, it was worth leaving behind. But, Lord, what you've given us since our salvation, Lord, it's not worth, worth walking away from. Lord, what, we can, what we'll walk back to will never amount to, Lord, what you've allowed us to walk into. And we thank you, Lord, for eternal life. Thank you for salvation full and free. Thank you for peace, joy, mercy, grace. Lord, all of the wonderful stuff, God, that you've given to us. Well, Father, I pray that we value it highly in our life. It'd be of great value and interest to us, Lord, that we'd get so consumed with the goodness of God and the grace of God and the word of God. Lord, we would even allow the thought of turning away and going back to cross our minds. And Lord, when it does fleet in there, Lord, when it does sneak in there, help us to bring in a subjection to Christ. Lord, help us, Lord, to live wholeheartedly, completely, totally with all that we have. Help us to live out Romans chapter number 12. Lord, be a living sacrifice, Lord, holy and, and, and completely unto you. Lord, that's our reasonable service. Lord, if we give you everything we have and do everything we could for you, God, we've simply done what you've asked us to do. We pray, Father, tonight, Lord, now that you take the word of God, take the teaching and the preaching of it tonight, Lord, make it personal, applicable, understandable tonight, Lord, and thank you, Lord, for the church. And thank you, Lord, that you've given us a, a blueprint, God, you've given us a guide on how this thing is supposed to be done. Lord, there's a lot of different men with a lot of different opinions. Lord, the church is a biblical thing. So, Lord, help us to define it from the word of God tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Now, nowadays, 
Uh, you get the average church, you go to their website, you'll find different positions, different things, some of which are found in the Bible and some of which are just simply traditions or, or things they came up with uh, throughout time. I'm not saying everything, every position in the church that is not, neither a pastor or a deacon is a bad thing, but we have to just keep it in, in the context of the Bible tonight. And well, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, you're not gonna look in your Bible and find the qualifications of a financial officer. Or you're not gonna find the qualifications of a trustee. You're not gonna find the qualifications of any of these other positions outside of a pastor and a deacon. And so tonight, we're gonna look at, well, preacher, what, what, are, what does the Bible have to say about pastors? Well, it has to say a good bit about them. And in your Bible, the first thing you gotta realize is that, that the word pastor is only one of, the, one of three words that are commonly used to describe the position that we, we are used to calling pastor or preacher in that sense, right? A pastor we find in the book of Jeremiah, where the Bible says that God will give pastors from his own heart, according to his own heart. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 says the same, not necessarily the same thing, but says that he'll give pastors, right? So we understand tonight that one, pastors come from God. That word pastor means to be a, a, a means to pasture or to take a, a, a flock out to pasture to feed them. Right, but it's more than just that. It's, it's to guard them. It's the, the herdsmen. And here's the interesting thing. A lot of times, right, the shepherd uh, in, doesn't always own the sheep, but rather he works for the owner of the sheep. Right, he's there taking care of them. He's there providing for them. He may not be the, the head shepherd, he's the under shepherd per se. And we see that now, that's, that's understanding of the word pastor is one who, who shepherds the flock, right? Who, who is there to help and there to lead and help to feed in that sense, right? So we see the word pastor, and then you see the word elder or elders. Those who presided over churches in the New Testament, they're called elders. Uh, you go into the book of Acts, 1 Timothy chapter five, a little bit from here, it talks about the elders, right? It comes from the word presbyter. Right, that's where we get our word presbytery. Right, that's a word we don't use every day, but what is that? It's a body of elders, right? You think about this, when, when a man is pursuing the ministry or is about to step into full-time ministry, right, there is an ordination service where he is ordained to the gospel ministry and a lot of times what that consists of, there's a, there's, there's a part that scares the, the young man or the, the person to death and that is when you stand before a room full of pastors and preachers and they are allowed to ask you any doctrinal question or anything like that. I, I remember my ordination service. I thought, I, I don't know how this is gonna go. Right, because I'm gonna get, I'm gonna, I, I, are they gonna make me look dumb? Are they gonna make me feel feel terrible? Are they gonna be? And I remember just sitting right over here and just, I mean, almost visibly shaking out of the nerves during that moment. And thankfully, the the men that were there, you know, they weren't there to tear me down. Right, and I don't think that's the point of the point of the, the, the issue. Right, it is just to make sure a man is prepared and ready for the ministry. Uh, and it is, it is straight on doctrine, and it is straight on uh, the reason why they're getting into the ministry. But the word elder comes from that word presbytery, right? They're leaders of the church. So a pastor not only shepherds the, the flock, but he also leads the flock. And then you have the word bishop. You have the word bishop. That's what we see right here in verse number Timothy. He says he desire the office of the bishop, right? That is an overseer, one with oversight. And it does not mean that that word does not is not a idling word in essence as a pastor as the bishop of the church it is my 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 god-given uh, entitlement to sit back and make everybody else do right I, when i worked in the cabinet shop we had a we had a position called the foreman and his job was to make sure that the shop was functioning and carrying out uh, the, the, the responsibilities and carrying out the contracts that we had been paid to do. And he was to make sure the machines were going. And, make, and he had a, he had a, the first one I worked for, his name was Jim, and he had an office there at, at the Gus Sasson door, and it was air conditioned. Right, he had a he had a, a computer chair, and he had his own desk, and, and it, was a, it was a nice environment, but you'd hardly ever catch him there. Why, preacher? Because he was always out in the shop making sure, one, we were doing what we were supposed to do, but also lending help in the areas that we needed help. Everything I learned just about in the cabinet shop, I learned from Jim. And, and he, he, he'd take time to make sure. I still remember the first time I ever call, cut, cut wood on the bandsaw. He took me over there. He said, all right, Tate, I need you to cut this corbel out. Uh, out of cedar on the bandsaw. And the bandsaw is, you know, eight foot tall. It got these two big wheels on a small little blade and you're supposed to cut curves and stuff with it. And so he handed it to me and I, I got that thing going, that blade started going, and I remember pushing that thing through and I, I got done with it. He looked at it, he said, well, I'm pretty sure Ray Charles could have cut a straighter line than that. 
but he took his time to teach me. And the same thing as, as a pastor, right? It's not a, it's not a position of entitlement. But rather, it's, it's leading by example. It's, it's one who works and leads by example. Now, we do know tonight that the office of a pastor is a biblical position. Therefore, we must allow the Bible to define and describe his responsibilities, not our personal opinions or past experiences. Right? And it's awkward sometimes as the pastor to teach about a pastor what a pastor is tonight, but uh, it's in the Bible, and if anything, it'll help you, because I also understand, listen, my heart's desire is that everybody stays here for the rest of life till Jesus comes. But I also know that sometimes life has changes for people, and people leave and people go for, not, for non-sinful reasons, not, not wrong reasons. God moves them from one place to the next, and my heart's desire is for you to be able to, to look at and, and to analyze a church out of, and, and the man of God behind the pulpit and say, all right, I need to make sure this man is, is, is what the Bible tells us he ought to be, right? And so, but there are some, in, some inaccurate thoughts about a pastor, right? The world has their opinions. People have their opinions about the pastor. Here's, here's some inaccurate ones, that he works for the church. I remember a man told me one time, he said, yeah, we're fixing to vote our pastor out. And I said, why? He said, well, because uh, he, was, he was preaching against things and doing things uh, that one of our biggest givers did not like. And, you know, he works for the church. I'm like, well, not technically, no, he doesn't. He said he works for the Lord, right? And ultimately, you got to realize that the man of God, the pastor of the church, in essence, we say, well, preacher, that's what, we, I mean, I give him the offering plate. I ought to have a say-so what the pastor does and, and how the pastor does. Now, you're entitled to your, your opinion. You're entitled to your, your advice in that sense. But I don't work for you nor do you work for me, right? If all you do is work for me, that's a shallow reward. And if all I do is work for you, I'll end up like all the other pastors who have tried to please merely people are no longer in the ministry, right? We work for the Lord. So it's an accurate thought about that. He works for the church. Here's another inaccurate thought. He can be a woman. Now in 2023, you can be whoever you want to be, right? Not according to the Bible. I got a text message this week uh, from TR's health insurance company. And they said... Uh, says Tayton. Tayton, Tayton may uh, express himself as however he sees fit. And if they want to do this and they want to do that, I said, hold on a second. TR's only got one set of pronouns. He and him. <laughs> Why? He's a boy. Right? And everything in me, it was automated text, so I know it wouldn't go to nobody. I was going to text back, quit misgendering my child. He's a boy. <laughs> His proper pronouns are he and him. But make sure you pay his doctor bill. <laughs> right, we'll get into that. Now, why, why, why can't it be a woman? We live in a generation, right? We're living in a society that says, oh, no, that's fine. Uh, Sandra Kennedy, all, all those different, we see it. They're, they're well-known women pastors, right? But they're not biblical. It's not, it's not a biblical thing. And it's not, it's not a putting down to women either. And we get into that. Uh, here's another one. He has to be perfect in every area of his life. Can I say there's only one perfect person who is perfect in every area of his life? And it wasn't me. It was Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. If the pastor was perfect, he couldn't help you. And if you were perfect, I couldn't pastor you. Right? There's only one perfect. That's Jesus. Here's another one. The pastor has to live poverty. He has to live in poverty. Now, I think a pastor ought to live within the means and when the same... Uh, social economic level of his church, right? Because that way you know who you're pastoring. In essence, tonight, if I came in here and on Sunday morning and I and I came in here and and and, and I didn't preach in my normal style, but I I just simply gave you some Greek and some Hebrew and I used very big, sophisticated words. We'd all walk out of here, myself included, thinking, "What did he just say?" Right? And that's, I, I know where I pastor. I pastor in Hepsiba, Georgia. I'm not saying we're uneducated, but I also, I'm not saying that we're not rednecks. Right? We, 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 I pastor a church of working people, middle class, working people who've worked your entire life. But so, you know, the pastor has to live in poverty. My dad, I love him to death. But uh, he's always, ever since I, I, I graduated high school, he's always talking about big houses 
this, that, and the other, and you know, take you need to go back to college, get you a real degree, and 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 you know, you can do that preaching, pastoring thing on the side. And for the long, I mean, worked at Sonic, worked at the cabinet shop. And he's like, those are great jobs, some, but you could do so much more, have so much more things, so much nicer things. And every time he, came, he didn't say it with a heart of anger or mad. It's just that's just what he thinks. That's that's, that's where he lives. That's what he, he he believes in a sense. And so he wanted he wanted the best for me. He'd always come over and, you know, I mean, this is nice, but you could, you could have so much more if you went back to school and you got this, you got that. And then I told him I was going to start pastoring here. And he says, you know what, this is a pretty, pretty nice trailer. This is a really nice place that you're living in. See, because he's under the understanding, it's what I grew up thinking, that when a man surrenders to the ministry or to serve God, he surrenders to a vow of poverty. And so my dad said, well, you know, this is... This is then this is the best you could ever have because now you're going to be impoverished for the rest of his the rest of your life right but can i say there, there's no verse in there that says the man of god has to take a vow of poverty right but at the same time this thing's not about money and we'll, we'll get into that this evening so there's some inaccurate thoughts about the pastor and, and i don't know where they came from but they they, they find themselves into the church into people's mindsets right and they're not right why because there's no biblical evidence for them and so tonight, let's, let's look at what the Bible has to say. I had three points tonight. We're going to look at a quali- he must be a qualified man. He must be a, a courageous man. And he must be, and I can't remember my second point tonight. But I had all three of them, but don't worry, I narrowed it down to one tonight. And so I've got one point for you with about 17 subpoints. <laughs> and I, I, I stopped and I got through this and I said, this is, this is enough for one night. Uh, but we see right here tonight that they, they, the pastor of a church must be a qualified man. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. In essence, it's a good thing to be a pastor, right? It's a good thing to desire to serve God. It's a good thing to have a, a desire to go into the ministry, right? It's a good desire to have. But then notice verse number two, a, a bishop then should be. Or a bishop then might be. It's not what your Bible says, does it? It says a bishop must be. And you know, I can't tell you how many times I've read through the qualifications of a pastor and, and I've, always, I've preached this way, I've said it this way, and I've thought it this way. Well, he should have these things or he should do these things. But the reality is the Bible says he must be. He must be these things. Did you know the average pastor, the average church, yeah, the average church will spend anywhere from 12 months to 24 months searching for a new pastor? Anywhere from a year to two years. Searching for a new pastor. You know, the average stay of a pastor is about three and a half years. And so you think, that's a crazy cycle. You spend almost just as much time looking for a pastor, the average church does, as actually having a pastor. So preacher, why is that? Because a lot of times we don't turn to 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy and, and observe the man to see if he is of this qualifications here, but rather, a lot of the times, this, the, the, the one thing or the, the, the deciding factor on whether a man's going to be a pastor of the church or not is not 1 Timothy chapter 3, but it is, he preaches good. He preaches good, right? He's, he's a good speaker. He's a good orator. He holds my attention. Can I say tonight that that, that, is, that is, I think, I think a, a pastor ought to, a man ought to preach with conviction in the sense that he ought to believe what he's preaching. Or as a young man at Narraway said, that man ought to yell at you, <laughs> right? <laughs> he, ought to, he ought to be enthusiastic. And, and tonight, I, I, I absolutely enjoy preaching from the word of God. It's not boring to me. I, I, it's, a, it's exciting to me. But if it's merely because a man preaches well, here's what's going to happen. It's talent-based, right? And if it's talent-based, and merely talent-based, when somebody steps in three and a half years later and says, wow, you're talented, how much is that church paying you? We can pay you double than that. And all of a sudden, well, I'm going to go where my talents are getting better pay. Or the pastor's going to go, and then we see it over and over again, whereas if you go down 1 Timothy chapter number 3, and you, as you're observing the man and say, all right, whether we're going to bring a pastor in, or I'm, I'm, I'm visiting churches, I've moved to a new location, I need to observe, right? And all, and listen, I, I'm a firm believer you ought to be a member of a local Baptist church, right? But you also ought to be a member of the right local Baptist church. And not just the right one, but the right one for you, right? And I can't tell you how people have come out of here and said, y'all are just different. <laughs> I was talking to my wife about it this week. I said, our church is just, just different. I said, eh, 
Like there's some churches you can walk in and you're like, yeah, these folks are crazy. <laughs> they just wear it. You can see it. There's no, there's no questions there. I said, oh, our churches, we're just, a, we're odd. Right, we're odd. <laughs> we're different. Like I wouldn't fit in there and they wouldn't fit in there and they wouldn't fit in over there, but somehow we all fit in together here. <laughs> How, preacher? The Lord. Amen. Right, but here's the thing tonight. As you go through this and you, and you take the time to observe the man, and because the Bible doesn't say he, he should be a few of these things. He said he must be. He must be these things. And notice what he starts off with for He must be what? Blameless. Blameless. That's not perfect, but no glaringly obvious red flags or wrong decisions. Right? There's a lot of people right now that are upset with the independent Baptist movement because one of the, 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 the things that takes place over and over again is a man gets in trouble, whether it's immorality, it's money issues, whatever it is, he gets in trouble at one church, he resigns and goes over, sometimes even in the same town, just a couple blocks over, starts another church or moves across the country and becomes on staff here and there without ever dealing with that. Can I say tonight, if a man has a history of embezzling, has a history of sexual sin, has a history of you, you, those, those major things, those red flags, I would not vote him in as a pastor. I would not vote him in. Yes, God forgives and God gives grace, but at the same time, there has to be a realization that a pastor is a high office. Right, because you, people are looking to you for spiritual help and spiritual feeding and spiritual leadership. And if a man isn't blameless in that sense, if there's red flags there that are, that are glaringly obvious, how can he effectively lead somebody? So he must be blameless, right? He must have a man of character and a man of integrity. Then you go down to the next one. This is the one that everybody gets upset about, right? This is the one that everybody is ready to fight over. He must be the husband of one wife. Well, of course, that, that, that blocks out and, and, and crosses out polygamy, right? <laughs> He can't have three or four wives with him at the same time. We ain't Mormon. Right? And, and you say, well, preacher, they did it in the Old Testament. God never condoned it. God never once said, okay, this is fine. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what. I should have made Adam, Eve, and Sarah, and Beth. That's not what God did. God's will and God's plan has always been one man, one woman, till death do we part. And so we see here tonight that a, a pastor must be the husband of one wife. Now, obviously, he can't be a polygamist. But then you get into the issue of divorce. And it's always, the, the, the question's always posed this way. Can a man who has been divorced pastor a church? Now, Paul in the New Testament makes a statement. He's talking about things that he can do. And Paul said, all things are, are lawful to me. I can't, or in essence, he said, I can do anything I want to do. But not everything's expedient. Not everything's right for me to do. The question shouldn't be, can a, can a divorced man pastor a church? Because listen, you can do whatever you want to do. Right? You're going to make your own choices. The question should be, should a divorced man pastor a church? Right? Should, should a divorced man, when that goes back to blameless? Right? And, and here's where I stand on the issue is, it, it'll be difficult for a, a, a man who's gone through that it's, just, it's, it's not necessarily the right thing to think this way, but it's the same thing as, as even as a parent. When I mess up in front of my children, I've got to realize now I'm giving them an excuse. And the same thing goes back to when it comes to a man who's been divorced. I'm not saying that, that, that you're second class, God's done with you, but there is an understanding. It'd be hard to counsel somebody, and you say, you ought not to get divorced, and you can say, because well, I know where it is, and they'll throw it back in your face and say, well, you did it. Right, so it's that issue there that goes back to being blameless there, and it'd be a difficult thing to do. And like I said, if you've been through one, listen, if you're pastoring a church, right, if you are fellowshipping with people in this century, in this decade, where marriages are ending at over 50%, you're going to have a hard time having a church with no divorced people in it. Right, it's just the reality of the day and age that we live in. But also the reality of the day and age we live in does not negate the truth of God's word and the standard that is set there in God's word. Right? Some of the best Christians I know, some of the most faithful Christians I know, 
Some of my biggest encouragers have been divorced. They're not second class, but we have to understand the office of a bishop, it's different in the sense that it is, it is the, the highest example. <laughs> in essence, when I, when I get up to preach, I'm not like, oh yeah, everybody's gonna be excited. Everybody's gonna... I realize I stand behind it at a very serious place. What I say and what God allows me to do has eternal consequences. The stuff I preach, I don't take it lightly. I may say a joke here and there while I'm preaching, but don't get it mixed up tonight. This is serious business. People's lives are in the balance. People's eternities are in the balance. Homes are in the balance. Life is in the balance. This is not a, this is not a small thing. And so God, why, why would God set the standards so high? Because that's how important it is. He must be blameless. He must be the husband of one wife. He must be vigilant. There's some that they, they, they read that wrong. They say he must be a vigilante. Must be vigilant. That means he must be able to be circumspect. When I was playing soccer, we had, a, we had a, a word for it. It was called field vision. You could see the field around you. You weren't just focused on one thing. See, a pastor has to be vigilant because there is a constant attack from Satan. Jesus said, I'll build my church and just a little bit of hell will come against it. He said, the gates of hell. You gotta realize, and I understand and I, it's not the pastor's spirituality that, that protects the church. It's God, ultimately God. But at the same time, the pastor must be vigilant because constantly Satan's gonna try his best to sneak his way in here and to seduce us with the doctrines of devils and seduce us with worldly means and worldly things. And listen, the buck stops here. And what is allowed is allowed from here, from the position of the pastor. So he must be vigilant. It's not easily, he can't be easily distracted because if he is easily distracted, he can't discern the attacks of Satan while he's distracted. So he must be vigilant. He must be sober. I means sound in mind, temperate, safe in that sense. Why, preacher? Because this church is not the pastor's thing to gamble with. Right? It's, it's, this is not my church. I, I pastor here, but this is not my church. I don't own this place. This is God's church. <laughs> this, this isn't my church because even because I'm the pastor, this is my, this is where I, this is my church because I'm a member here. This is where I go to church at. This is my local New Testament church. But he must be sober, sound in mind, temperate, safe in that sense. In that sense, he'll say no to things simply because he don't have peace about it. Oh, preacher, we could do this and we could do that. Oh, preacher, if we just tweak our songs just a little bit, if we, if we tweet, tweet our tweet, uh, I, don't know, I forgot the word now. Tweet, there it is, tweet. If we, if we tweak our, uh, preacher, I understand you're all about the King James. I understand you've studied it out and, you, you, and you, you, you stand firm upon it and you're not backing off of it. But I tell you what, preacher, I, I love it when people say, I just can't understand all those these and thous. Really? Those are the words you can't understand and pronounce in the Bible? I'm still not sure if I'm saying Nebuchadnezzar right. But really, and this is, this is off the side point here, but the, you know the these and the thous may actually make it more pointed, make it more personal. It puts it in your lap. But you ought to be sober. In essence, he'll simply because, oh, preacher, everybody else is doing it. I'm going to tell you the same thing my mama told me. Everybody else jumps off a bridge, you're going to do it too? Sometimes the pastor will be, you have to be safe. He'll have to, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Well, it's working there. That's wonderful. That's great. But I, I just don't feel right about it. I don't have peace about it. It has to be sober. It has to be of good behavior. Look what it says right there, working your way down. Of good behavior. <laughs> he needs to behave good. That's a Brother Asher definition. <laughs> I said, what is evil communications? He said, it's communicating evilly. <laughs> preacher, what is good behavior? Behavior that is good. <laughs> right? Well, well, preacher, what does that mean? In essence, he, he's, on, he's on his best behavior. He's modest. He's well arranged. He, he knows how to act. Proverbs tells us that when you, stand before, you sit before a prince, that you need, to, you, need to, you need to realize who you're sitting before. If you have to put a knife to your throat. 
Right? Understand the, 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 the reality, understand the, the gravity and the seriousness of the position. He has to be of good behavior. Understanding who they are sitting before and know how to act. Right? Know how to act. And know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, in, in, in the, the, the people of God's houses, in, 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 in society, in, out, you know, in everyday life. They are a good behavior. <laughs> Why, preacher? Because it'd be really weird to continue going to a church whose pastor shows up in the jail report every other week. Right? Well, preacher, you know, <laughs> that goes all the way back to the first one. Blameless. Blameless. See, everybody wants to hang out on the second one. I'm, I, I figure that first one's plenty busy, plenty enough to keep a man busy, to, to be blameless. Must be of good behavior. Must be given to hospitality. Preacher, what does that mean? That means a pastor should have one family over to his house for dinner every night of the week. Boy, if that was true, I'd be broke. <laughs> some of y'all teenage boys, y'all just eat too much. You just eat way too much. You need to go on a diet. You need to starve. <laughs> Fiddle a little something right now. <laughs> Give it a hospitality. You ought to be hospitable. Or hospitable. Right? He ought to be friendly, kind, encouraging to guests. Right? He ought to, he ought to have a, a, a kind spirit, a friendly spirit about him. That doesn't mean he's a good talker. That doesn't mean that he, he, he can work the room. But once you get to know him, you know, that's, that's a friendly guy. It's a nice guy. He's given to hospitality. He's, he's willing to help out. He's willing to be kind in those sense. And he goes on to say he must be apt to teach. He must be apt to teach. Right? He must have the ability to teach. And that, that's where a lot of people say, well, this, this is why he is apt to teach. He's a great teacher. He's a great preacher. Man, when he preaches, I get excited. And when he preaches, I just sit on the edge of my seat. That's great. That's wonderful. But, but can I say just because a man doesn't, allow his voice to inflect or go down and he doesn't talk with his hands, he doesn't get animated, it doesn't mean he's not teaching you the truth. I remember working in the cabinet shop and I was listening to a man teach on the tabernacle. And this was back a few years ago and I think he was like 98 years old then. And I went to Sermon Audio page and I wish I could remember his name, but I mean it was just thing after thing after thing after thing. And that man, I turned it on, I put my, my earbuds in his voice never went up. His voice never went down. He, he, he didn't holler. He didn't scream. He didn't tell no illustrations. But man, he was just pulling truth after truth after truth after truth after truth. In essence, what does it mean to be apt to teach? It means you can, that, that pastor can take the word of God and not just give you information about it, but give it to you and you have to say, all right, now what am I going to do with this? He's left it in my lap. Now I have to either choose to, to accept it and to apply it or to reject it. I ought to be apt to teach. I have the ability to teach to show how the word of God applies to your life. He's less informative and more instructive. Right? <laughs> Imagine if, if, if you opened up a, a prior, you opened up a, a, a coffee table, a, a cabinet that you had to build at your house. And it told you everything you needed to build the house or to build the coffee table with. You'll have X amount of screws. You'll have X amount of this, X amount of that. And you look at, you have everything that you need. But you look over at that paper and there ain't no, the first instruction. Right? So what do you do? Well, if you're a man, you don't need them anyways. <laughs> and so you start piecing it together. You get done. You got six extra screws, an extra leg somehow. Right? That's why the instructions are there. And the same thing is true when it comes to the pastor. Right? It's not just about telling you, well, this is the Hebrew this, this is the Greek that, this is the age here, this is the year, that stuff's interesting. But God didn't give us our, our, the, his Bible and his words. So we can say, oh, that's interesting. He gave it to us. And he, he called men to preach so me and you can say, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do with that. That's where that bolt goes. That's where that leg goes. We can, we can build the Christian life where he builds the Christian life in us. He must be apt to teach. He must he, look at go, keep going down. Not given to wine. Not given to wine. Preacher, how much wine is too much wine? How much flee from the appearance of evil do you need to flee from the appearance of evil? How evil does something have to be for you not to flee from it? But the pastor leads by example. He's not given to wine. In essence, he ought not to be a man of vice. Right? He ought not to be a man of vice. 
Because here's the thing. Pastoring is stressful. Pastoring is burdensome. Pastoring is tiresome. Pastoring will slap where you out. <laughs> How do you know that, preacher? Here's that before I was a pastor, I had hardly any gray hair. <laughs> it ain't starting to grow in by the droves. I'm going to go from 33 to 53 in just a matter of months. And it's not that you know, we've been fighting church splits and this, that, and the other. It's just a burdensome position. You got to think, you come to me and you say, preacher, pray for me. And you tell me of a heartbreaking circumstance. Pray for my family, pray for my children. Pray for this, pray for that. This is what's going on in my life. This is what I'm facing. This is what someone I love is going through. You got to realize, you come to me, you're probably not the first person to tell me something like that. And those things weigh heavy on you. And if you're a man given to, vi to vice, you're a man given to wine, drugs, whatever it may be, if that's you know, what you're so used to releasing from, you have to have something to get a release, right? Sooner or later, that's all you're going to have, right? He said not, not given to wine. A man of vice, who, who, one who deals with his stress, who doesn't deal with his stress in a spiritual way, but a fleshly way, right? The pastor needs to understand and be a man who says, you know what, this is a lot, and I'm carrying a load that I'm not supposed to be carrying. I need to go to the Lord and cast all my care upon him. I'm not against vacations. I'm not against, <laughs> I'm not against disc golf. <laughs> I do a lot of thinking while I'm out there. And I, I enjoy, I spend time with my family, all those kind of things. And vacations are wonderful. But if I can only get help when I'm either on vacation or when I'm on the disc golf course or when I'm doing this, or when I'm doing that, and I'm not going to the Lord, and I'm not going to before him and saying, all right, Lord, there's a lot going on here. And Lord, truthfully, I can't fix none of it, but you can. Lord, please help me and help those that have come to me with these burdens. Right? And if a pastor's not willing and able to do that, sooner or later, that vice that he turns to is gonna control him. That's why Paul told Timothy, hey, you ought not be a man of giving to wine. He must not be a striker. Right, not prone to division or retaliation, but rather he's an instrument of reconciliation. He's not to be a striker, right? Even though that sounds like it'll be something cool to be. It's been a few times I've been real close. Lord, please just change that word one time. <laughs> you can put it back in there after I'm done. He didn't do it. He's ought to be an instrument of reconciliation. Not greedy of filthy lucre. That's what he goes on to say in verse number three. Not greedy of filthy lucre. Told you, I got a lot of subpoints in that. He doesn't settle for, or he, 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 in essence, what does that mean, preacher? That is a man who doesn't settle for reasonable compensation. Right, the Bible does say you ought not to uh, muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. Right, the Bible does say that a man that preaches doctrine, preaches it right, preaches the truth, is worth double hire. Right, we understand that a man that does that is extremely valuable to the church. And the church will be grateful for him. That doesn't mean, though he's worthy of double hire, does not mean that he's going to get double hire. Right? A, a man who is not content with reasonable compensation, right, where it makes sense. And that's why it would make no sense for, for someone who's pastoring this church to be getting paid a million dollars a year. It's just beyond reason. Right? You set up things and you do things that are reasonable. And here's the thing. When a man, I said, preacher, how can you know a man is all about filthy lucre? Everything is about money. Everything's about money. And it's normally this way. I'm not getting enough of it. I'm not getting enough of it. And the only way you can prove your love to me as a church is to give me more of it. Right? That's a man who's, who's, who's greedy of filthy lucre. Everything becomes about money. Ministering never, here's the thing about ministering. It never meets the monetary expectations. That's why it's called ministry. If it was just about money, it'd be called a job. But ministering is ministering. Right? It is giving of yourself. And it's with no expectation of return and void. We see that he ought not to be guilt, greedy of filthy lucre. He must be patient. He must be patient. Goes on to say, but patient. <laughs> Willing to wait until he has won the people. In essence, he doesn't run roughshod over the people. I heard a preacher say one time, if you don't get out of my way, I'm trying to think how he said it. Uh, if you don't get out of my way, you're going to be in mine and God's way. And he's going to run right over you. Can I say, 
Patience goes a long way. When you're willing to be patient with somebody and remind yourself that you don't always have it all figured out either, there's some things we, weren't, we learn quickly in life, and there's some things we don't. And I'm thankful for the things that I did not learn quickly. Somebody was willing to be patient with me. And in turn, the pastor ought to be patient, realizing that not everybody's going to get it one time. Right? <laughs> not everybody's going to get it the first time you preach on the subject. I was preaching somewhere, and uh, I don't want to say he was with me that night. And they said, man, preacher, that was a good message. That was a great message. I don't think I've ever heard that before. I, got to I said, I preached at church. <laughs> I preached at church one time, right? But I didn't say, oh, you must not be listening to me. I went home and I said, I'm glad, I'm glad they got it. I'm glad they got it. <laughs> I'm glad they understood it that time. They might not have understood it the first time, but thank God they got it the second time. Right? You gotta be patient with people. You gotta be patient with them. He's not a brawler. He's not a brawler. Go down to verse number. He's not a brawler. Right, he, he does things decently in order even when it comes to disagreements. Right, it's not a brawl. In essence, he's not, I'm not gonna fight you or they're not gonna fight you and, and beat you into submission. They're not a brawler. Even when it comes to disagreements, those things are handled correctly. Right, he's not covetous. His satisfaction comes from the Lord, not what somebody else has or what another church has. One of the worst things a pastor can do is compare his church to another church and get mad at his church for not being the other church. <laughs> God did not call that pastor to that church. He called him to this church. And therefore, God has a plan for this church. Right? A church may do something and it may be successful. That's great. That's wonderful. We may try here and it may not work. That's just fine. Right? Because what, everything that another church does doesn't mean it has to be done here. Not covetous. Then go down to verse number four and five. One that ruled his own house well. Or excuse me, that one that ruled well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. That means when you look at his family, his kids don't say a word. They sit in church, their hands are folded on their laps, and they nod during the sermon. They don't holler snacks. They don't scream, no. <laughs> They don't, they don't fall asleep during the service. Right, they're kids. Missionaries come through here, and I feel bad for those kids. Thank you for the example, Shiloh. Oh, preacher's not running his house, right? Shiloh ought to know not to speak up. The Bible says women ought to be silent in the church. <laughs> I'm hurrying up tonight. It's a little bit over. <laughs> Somebody, people are going to enjoy this on sermon audio or they might not, who knows <laughs> but in essence you, you look at their home and you can see a father that loves his children that loves his wife right? he's training them, he's teaching them he's not just letting them do whatever they want to do missionaries come through here and those kids will come and they've been in the car for three and a half hours right? and they come in here and they, they're running and they're excited and they're just trying to get energy out that don't bother me because when I've been in the car for three and a half hours, the first thing I want to do is get out of the car and run. <laughs> but at the same time, there are times where they go, we, maybe we go out to eat or something like that, and those kids are just running crazy. And there's no apology. There's no attempt to fix it. There's, there's just like, well, they're just going to be them. Right? Those are things to pay attention to. Lies. Their kids aren't going to be perfect, but you're going to see there's an effort being made to train and teach those children. And the loving, the admonition of the Lord. Because he goes on to say in verse number five, for if a man do not have the rules on house, how shall he take care of the church of God? And I think this applies more than just what their children, how their children act in church. I think the way a man uses his own finances. Right? The way, if he comes in and he's, he's applying to be the pastor of the church, I think you have all right to ask, how much debt do you have? How faithful are you to tithe? How faithful are you to give to missions? Right, because if a man doesn't, doesn't take control and doesn't use his own finances wisely, correctly, it's not going to change when it comes to the church's finances. Right, so these are things to look at. I know this ain't popular. Preacher, they just need to teach well. They need to preach well. It's more than that. Can I say there's been many churches that had a pastor that preached well, 
And they didn't shut down because he didn't preach well. They shut down because they didn't have no money. Because things weren't being used wisely and correctly. Real expectations versus fall expectations. Not perfect little children. His kids need to be perfect. Well, then you need a perfect church member. You ought not to be a novice. Verse number six, not a novice. And age has nothing, age is nothing but a number, but you can't fake maturity. A man that is to be a pastor ought not to be a novice. And I think a lot of the times we simply, well, he's got a Bible college degree. He must be ready for the ministry. That's not always the case. He was, you know, well, he's, he's in his, 50s, he must be ready. That may not be the case. Right? Ought not to be a novice. I remember hearing, I think it was Brother Dean. I can't remember where, if it was in Bible college or what. And he said, before you ever expect God to use you, you got to learn to die. He said, you got to find yourself in a ministry that nobody really knows what you're doing in the sense that it's not in the lights, it's not in the forefront you're just there, and, and really, it, you do what you do for God, and nobody really takes notice of it. He said, if you can be faithful there, if you can do that faithfully week in and week out, he said, then you're getting ready for the, the ministry. Not to be a novice. Because once again, this thing's too serious. This thing's way too serious. You buy a brand new car, and it's worth so much money and so much all that, you gonna let a 12-year-old drive it? You want to let a 15-year-old that just came out of the, the DMV and made a 72 on their driver test? Say, it's all yours. No. You want to sit down and you have some classes with them. Before, before you do anything, you want to sit in that passenger seat and you're going to watch me drive how this thing's supposed to be driven. I ought not to be a novice. A novice still thinks they can do everything. It becomes an eye show. That's what he says right there in verse Number six, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Same, what was the devil's pride? What is the devil's pride? I will, I will, I will, I will is what the devil said. And when a young man or a young, yeah, when a young man is, 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 is thrust into it or someone who's immature, not to the level of maturity that, that is required in a pastor, right, all of a sudden becomes, look what, I, look what I've done, look what I've, what I've achieved, look at my accomplishments, a novice still thinks they can do it. A mature Christian knows they cannot do it without the Lord. They need the Lord's help. And then finally, he must have a good report. He must have a good report. Well, you know what my least favorite day of school was when I was growing up? Report card day. Preacher, I thought you made good grades. I did. <laughs> I made really good grades. I was still scared to death. Why? Because my mom would ground me when I made a B. My mom would take away my video games for 89. And I thought, I'm, I'm fixing to have one on here. <laughs> fixing to lose my video games for a month because I made A, B, honor roll. <laughs> I remember going to school with kids. like, my parents bought me some new shoes because I made a C. <laughs> Can I have your parents? <laughs> we must have a good report. Not with other preachers. But the Bible says with those that are without, right? He must have a good report of them which are without. I have no issue. I would have no issue with asking a man who's desiring the position of, hey, can I talk to your boss? Can I talk to the man that you used to work for? The person that you, what kind of employee were you? Were you faithful to your job? Right? Did you work hard while you were there? Were, were you honest in what you did? <laughs> Find their accountant and say, hey, when they file their taxes, are they trying to cheat every year? This thing's serious. See, what, why is the church in such a bad shape? We've allowed so, so many men who don't meet half these qualifications to stand behind the pulpit to preach. And we want to know why the church ain't got no power. Why churches are crumbling and falling apart. It's a serious business. Right, talk to his talk to his accountant, talk to his barber. Hey, what's he talk about when he's getting his hair cut? Talk to his former bosses, talk to the waiters at his favorite restaurant. How does he treat you when you get when you get his order wrong? How, do, how does he treat you when he doesn't get his way? 
Right? Go to those that were without. Because here's the thing, I, I found this out. Preachers will take up for other preachers. Right? They'll, 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 they'll hell, you know, I, I, just, I wouldn't believe that about him. I understand that tonight, but when you go to somebody that they are around and that they deal with that are without, because listen, lost people, they don't know how to play church. They don't know how to hold their tongue. They don't know how to be uh, kind and courteous and, 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 and respectful. They're going to tell you how it is. There's a man I worked with. His name was Willie. And uh, me and Willie had a unique relationship. We're about the same age. We had a mutual friend. And we had a, here, here's what our relationship was. We talked trash to each other every day. Jawing back and forth. In play, in jest. We knew that. And we, we play pranks on each other. I, I took our, our spray adhesive at the cabinet shop and I sprayed the part of his machine with like a six pounds of glue. I took every pencil he had. I took his tape measure. I took it all. I sprayed all of it and stuck it to that glue. The only way you can get any of that stuff off is by pouring lacquer thinner on it. He come out of, he come out of the bathroom. He looked at it. He said, tape. <laughs> he knew who it was. We, we go back and forth just going back and forth. He'd come over to me. He said, take my machine's not working right. I said, you want to know why? He goes, yeah. I said, because you're sorry. <laughs> just going back and forth with him. And he, and he dished it out as much as I dished it out to him. But then one day he came to me with a real problem, a real issue. And I didn't, I didn't jaw back and forth with him. I sat down with him and I talked to him. And he said, Tate, I, I know why God has let, letting all this go. He was having issues with his dad's health, one thing after another. He said, God's trying to see how much I can handle. I said, no, Willie. God knows how much you can't handle. And he's trying to see how much are you willing to give to him and let him handle it. He said, I never thought about it that way. And we got done with our conversation, went about it. A few weeks later, a few months later, they hired a new guy. And me and Willie were standing there talking. And uh, the new guy walks up. And Willie said, hey, while you're standing there, let me tell you about Tate. And I said, oh boy, here we go. He said, Tate will let you have it. He will not take it easy on you. He, he, will, he will mess with you. He will talk trash to you. But he's a Christian. He's the real deal. Can I say tonight, I'm thankful for a good testimony within here. But a preacher worth his salt will have a good testimony out there. How do you know that? Go ask those that are without. Before you sit underneath a man, before you, 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 you vote on a man, before you, whatever the case may be, go talk to those without and get their opinion about that man because they're going to tell you what you really need to hear. So you ought to have a good report without. A qualified pastor will always be better than just quality sermons. A qualified man will always be better than just a good sermon tonight. Let's pray. Do you have